This is the Things We Do podcast, a podcast about film life, television, culture, mental health, and all of that fun, jazzy stuff. Today, I've got my friend and special guest, Amber Spooner. Hello. Hi. Hi. Um, so, Amber, I know who you are. I, Which is funny and ironic because we've only met once. <laughs> but we've known each other for a while, so mm. we keep messing each other. But we've, known, we've only ever met once. Um, but uh, you're an actor, writer. Mm-hmm. And theatre check, we've now just discovered because I yes. didn't know that. Um, yeah. What if, what my first question is going to be is what came first? Um, okay, so being an actor came first. Yes. Um, so I probably like a lot of um, kids did like acting in high school or did drama in high school. Yeah. And then I just kind of became obsessed with it. <laughs> Um, and yeah, no. And then I did like lots of after school care, like after school programs and all yeah. of that kind of thing. Um, so yeah. And then I've just kind of developed it from there. That's awesome. And then, yeah. and then writing came along kind of like through progressing and just being like obsessed. Well, writing <laughs> came last actually. Really? Yeah, it did. <laughs> um, yeah. So then, um, as I got a little bit older, I moved into like theater to being like theater tech and theater like technician stuff. Yeah. Um, Cause that was also offered to me while I was at school. So I was like, I'll go do that. Why not? Um, and then I became obsessed with that. <laughs> um, and then spent a lot of time doing that, like a lot of time doing that. Um, and then fast forward a couple of years, I've been to, like, I'd been to university, got my, got my degrees, all of that kind of thing. Yeah. And then the way that I got into writing, I think, and sort of being a playwright and a screenwriter was um, the uh, theatre company that I was um, in the city that I was living in in Canberra called The Street Theatre. They had a a program called The Hive where you would pitch an idea to the theatre and you would be assigned a dramaturg to, um, to like, write the work. Yeah. Um, And so that's kind of what I did. I made the application for it and it was, like, the shittest idea for a script. (laughs) Like... It was the shittest idea for a script I've ever had. It's probably still one of my worst. Um, and I submitted it, like submitted the application for it. And I was like, I'm not going to get this. There's no way. Um, and then they rang me up and they were like, cool. So we want to include you in the program. And my first thought was, shit, now I have to do it. Oh, no. Yeah. Um, but um, like on a slight segue, I, I met with the dramaturg um, who was a, um, he's quite, quite sort of well-known. His name's... Um, Peter Matheson and oh yeah yeah and um he's great he was really great um I met with him and I sort of explained the idea to him and he was kind of we sort of talked through it a little bit and then he just sat there and he looked at me and he was like so do you have another idea (laughs) and I was like oh I've actually got this idea that I've been sort of bouncing around in the back of my head about this dude who like abducts a you know like abducts a teenager and all of this kind of thing and he was like oh so you better write both plays then (laughs) and I was like shit (laughs) um but yeah so i did yeah i did that for was on that program for about two years and then and then yeah sort of all progressed from there that's awesome you've kind of like you're a jack of all trades kind of kind of person because you know you kind of know the ins and outs of um technical aspects there as well with you know because with being a theater tech Mm -hmm. that allows you to kind of know more about what goes into it than probably most writers would and most, you know, actors would. Is that kind of like felt like it's, you know, a bit of good knowledge to have for yourself? Um, 
it's been sort of useful in the sense that I I think from a writing perspective, I know how much things cost. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. Um, so when it came to writing my first play and my second play, and now that I'm working on my third play, um, I have a, like a rough idea about how much things cost and I have a rough idea about how much money I will probably have in order to make the things that I write. Yeah. Um, so that's kind of what, it kind of gives me that sort of like um restrictions i guess in terms of what i what i write because i'm like there's no way that it, like we're going to be able to afford that if i can ever get that up like yeah. they'll cut that from the script um that being said though as a as a writer there's definitely been some times where i've sort of written something um and i've been like oh i don't know like I don't know if we're going to be able to make that work. And then I just sort of sit there and I'm like, they'll work it out in rehearsal. It'll be fine. <gasps> no. <laughs> You've become that. Yeah. But that's just because like um, as a technician or somebody who sort of works on that side of yeah. theatre, even in like the sort of the creative space as like a designer or something like that. Yeah. Um, that That's something that um, a lot of us really love is this whole, whole idea of like you kind of get presented with this challenge and the people around you are just like, okay, cool. Yeah. Make it happen. Yeah, I mean, like, there's always kind of the fun thrill of any kind of production, mm. uh, not just theatre, but just, like, film in general and stuff is is mm. working it out in the day. It's like being someone who's worked predominantly in post, it's, like, one of my most hated things. So you would just go, oh, we'll work it out in the day. And I'm like, no plan, like, plan, like, no tomorrow. Um, but I think that's because I've sat there um and edited films mm. and short films and stuff when and you know the planning has either been great or none at all mm. um and i always feel you know and that's happened from my own projects as well because yeah. i i um, have definitely gone into projects where i've literally known nothing mm. about um vfx and suddenly i'm like oh i'm doing this vfx shot and suddenly like you just go well i can't do that but i guess i'm gonna have to um so yeah one of my one of my good friends lectured me about how bad it was which was great yeah. um but yeah like i definitely think that it does lend you into um a good a good space of just being like well you know creating is trial and error yeah. because i guess there's you know something i remember from a young age about creating was everyone was trying to be perfect yeah. and you can't be no. it's it's virtually <laughs> like impossible to be perfect in any capacity because mm. um, we're human, we have faults and everything. So I guess like I remember um, oh, this was years ago, but I remember watching, have you ever heard of the Charlie Brown play where it's about them all as adults? Yes, that's my favorite play. It's so good. It's so, so good. funny. Um, but the theater crew that I saw that did it was terrible. Mm -hmm. And it was because the director was just had no chemistry with the cast and mm. anything. And it wasn't the cast's fault at all. The cast were good, but they were just doing what the director said. So it was like this very boring version of the story. And I remember my brother's partner at the time was telling me about it because she was a lighting technician. And... She was flipping through the script and she was laughing, but she was like, she couldn't watch the performance and laugh. She was yeah. like, the script is funnier mm. than the actual performance. And I was like, that's when translation like there's a disconnect there's like this complete disconnect and i feel like as a writer and as an actor and then as a technician yeah you must <laughs> you must really kind of like want to find this good balance with directors and or creatives when you hand over work because you're kind of hoping that they translate your work because is that quite stressful to watch something and go 
that's not entirely how I pictured it in my head. But and and it, are you good at telling them when you kind of want it to steer a different way, or you like how are you with directors? Um, well, I mean, <laughs> I I kind of am kind of going through my first um experience with that now with my first play, The Various Methods of Escape. Um, yes. Yeah. Um, and I'm kind of going through that now, where I actually find it really really fascinating. Um, because I have definitely been in rehearsal, and I'd be listening to like actors you know actors talk to each other about characters and all of that kind of thing and they'd be kind of like oh yeah I think my character's doing this because of this and this and this and they've sort of built this whole sort of backstory that I never really thought about when I was writing it (laughs) and I'd kind of and I'd sit there and sometimes I'd be like that's not what I meant but I see how you got there yeah um so and I find that that's really fascinating um because I think that a lot of my theater training particularly as an actor um and it's probably influenced my work as a um a technician and as a writer as well is um it was very heavily based on like collaboration and a lot of it was like lots of like devised work and all of that kind of thing so I sort of come from like the mindset that um any kind of contribution or any kind of like collaboration makes the piece better and the goal is for the piece to be as good as it possibly can be and sometimes that does mean that a decision that I have made um is not the best and so yeah. therefore I have to take on somebody else's suggestion um, and that is something that I did do um, over the course of like developing this play um, in particular was that like I would go to rehearsals and um, directors would want to try things out and actors would sort of suggest things and I kind of look at you know and I'd look at all of that and we'd sort of try it out and then I'd go and do another draft of the script and yeah. all of that sort of stuff would be included because that's how the work got better yeah, yeah. I mean like, <sighs> I, you know, I'd be kidding myself if I didn't do that. I hate um, people relying only on one draft. Yeah. Um, I think every script of mine, even even if it's been a while, most scenes will change depending on who's cast. Like, obviously, mm-hmm. casting is such a huge thing, so a different voice means a different way of mm. saying something and all these things. So, um, I mean, definitely, like, when I write original stuff versus, like, you know, mediums like fan stuff where I know the world and I know everything. Original stuff is kind of a little bit easier because you know trajectory-wise where you're going. But the one thing I do think I rely heavily upon is when I've cast them, Mm. then I listen to everyone's voices and adjust the voice of the character depending on whose voice I have in my head. Mm. And I think that's very, like, that's how I, because I'm the same as you. I, like, love collaboration. It's like sitting in a room and everyone kind of, like, doing their interpretations and listening to it and just going, okay, they need to sound a bit more like this. And, you know, Mm. this is kind of their voice. And I don't know, I ask ask actors so many questions, like, what do you think of this Mm. character? What are you, where are you going with this character? Mm. What is... Um, and I love it when char- like actors sometimes just go, oh, my character wouldn't say that because yeah. they know the character so well at a point mm. or they just go, well, that's not how they're going to say it. And I'm like, cool, okay. Um, but I've definitely also worked with actors who stick to a strict um, script verbatim. Like yeah. there's no alteration to the dialogue. And that's fine. That's, you know, totally, mm. you know, whatever suits you. But there's sometimes where I'm like, I've written a crap line and I want you to interpret yeah. this as better. <laughs> like, do something more with this bad line mm. than I would be able to do. Or, you know, simply I've made a spelling mistake, so please don't just read it as per the spelling mistake because yeah. that's worse. Um, yeah. Have you been on set where you've realised that 
you know, actors are reading verbatim and you've gone, no. Um, yeah, that's definitely happened. Because, I mean, like, just from, an, like, an acting perspective, I kind of get why actors will read stuff verbatim yeah. because the the actor's job is to make it work. Yeah. Um, then the – they they I think particularly when I was going through acting school and I was sort of being trained – um, you were expected to show up with like having done the work. Yeah. Um, but you were also expected to show up and do what the director kind of tells you to do. Yeah. Um, and so I like I find particularly when I'm sort of workshopping a work or I'm developing a work, I really do want like actors to tell me what they think. Yeah. Um and sometimes it can be really hard to to get that out of them because they don't think like that. Yeah. Um, and they also, I think there's a part of a part of it where they just want me to be happy, um, and all you know, because you know, like I'm, I'm the writer and all of that kind of thing. And they sort of want, and they sort of, they want to make sure that the work that I like, the words that I put on this, put on, yeah, are put on the page are sort of, you know, they're doing the best with that, and yeah. like they're very sort of self conscious about that, rather than them being like, this isn't working or this line shit, like, yeah. They um they they're sort of more sort of focused on getting what's on the page right, yeah. Rather than them being like this isn't working because of this or like yeah. I'm sick and tired of doing this, but you know that sort of stuff. So. I mean, it it's interesting as well because you know like I feel um like I trained in improv, mm. so I think that's a lot of where you know I love improv and I love like um. Uh, sometimes just personalities in a room where you know kind of how strong they are and they come up with great, um, I don't know, I, I listen to uh, the director, um, oh, what's his name? David Lynch. Mm -hmm. um, love him. And the way he directs is he's like, okay, well, your actor is, you know, is their own person, their own device, um, and you are guiding them through a scene. You're not telling them what to do. You're guiding them. And I think that's very true because if I tell 100% do this with this and there's no motivation, I just want you to do it, it's suddenly like they're going to ask a thousand questions and be like, well, this is, what's the point? Um, whereas I feel like, you know, sometimes the best things come from, you know, people's impulsive or um, opportune moments. And yeah, like I'm value rehearsals. I mean, like, you can do... It's interesting. You can do rehearsals to death. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yep. Yes. I love your reaction. <laughs> yeah. You're like, yeah. Um, which, you know, is never great. Um, because how many is too much rehearsals where you've literally... It's so minuscule. Because I feel like the on the... You know, theatre is different to film. Like, theatre generally, like, has quite a few rehearsals and then tech rehearsal is basically two nights or something like that. It's two runs of tech rehearsal or even one run. Um, basically sometimes how, how many runs have you done a tech rehearsal? Um, it depends on how much money the production. Yeah, I know. It's like down <laughs> to budget. Um, um, yeah. So normally, normally, generally speaking, um, in my experience, you normally get the one tech run and then you get yeah. a dress. Um, and then if you're like on a massive, massive, you know, sort of budget, they, um, they do, dress runs for weeks on end yeah um but that sort of is sort of very rare um i do i do think that you can you can definitely over rehearse an actor and you can over rehearse a scene to the point that 
they know it so well that they don't even think about like they don't yeah. even, they don't even think about it and they don't even think about um sort of what they're doing they're just kind of like going through the motions because they've just done this scene to death um and i think that there is a sort of a bit of a fine line to cross because you obviously don't want the actor to sort of be underprepared to the point that they are really thinking about what they're doing because yeah. you don't want them to be so overprepared that they just like just kind of go through it with like a completely <laughs> blank mind like they've still got a they've still got a i guess um really search for it and really work yeah. for it i think um in the scene to sort of make it working and to kind of give it like some life yeah um I 100% yeah. agree with that. I think it's very, like, I've definitely had some actors who go, oh, I don't, I only need one rehearsal, mm-hmm. like one run through, and then on the day we'll work, you know, the rest out, mm-hmm. um, which is totally fine. And then other actors who go, oh, I actually need a few rehearsals to kind of get into the headspace and know what I'm saying and everything. And I'm like, feel like it really depends on the person because, mm-hmm. yeah, it's... <laughs> Sometimes you get actors who have done no preparation. Yes. And that is more stressful. It's like, um, I think also like something I've learned really recently, and I think this helps me a lot in script writing, is I get all my actors, whenever I'm writing something, just to read the lines into a phone or like their mobile and just read the lines. It doesn't have to be perfect. But once they've read them, I'll stitch together a scene to show how it's all going to sound. And then they get more of an idea of what's actually happening and the pacing and everything. And it's sort of a little, um, cause predominantly I work in film. So it's mm. like, it gives them examples of what's going to actually happen. And I think it panics them less when they know something and they've got a bit more information because sometimes I, you know, like, unfortunately you can't all meet until the day of filming you know slightly because of covid and slightly Mm. because of logistics and so when you do arrive on set you at least can give minimal direction or you can give like because i feel like this is the thing you can if you're rehearsing so much at the beginning the point of filming is then you're just filming because all the rehearsals are done Mm. so it's just kind of being in the space and making it same with like theater but if you're constantly directing afterwards it it kind of feels null and void to what was the point of rehearsals to to the point of there Mm. and I think that's where as maybe it's just me but it's sort of where I think because I feel like if you give actors too much then they're not going to work it out themselves it's sort of a very pull and and push kind of thing because you don't want to over yeah you don't want to overstep and that's so hard um, but I do like like it when actors ask questions because I've been definitely in some rehearsals when no one asks questions and you're like, okay, then great. Yeah. What do I do now? Yeah. Like, please ask a question because then I can actually give you some answers. And then they come on set and they ask a bajillion questions. Like they'll come and go, oh, actually, I don't know the answer to this. And can you explain it to me? And you're like, oh, um, like. Do you find it easier? Do, are you less of an actor now, do you think, than you were before? Do you like staying behind the scenes and less performing? Um, <laughs> it just, it, like, I'm, I'm very much a person that will, um, I guess one thing that I, I feel as though I'm quite good at is that I just sort of take, I'm really good at finding my own opportunities. Yeah. Um, and sort of, so the way that I sort of run my career is that I just sort of take whatever is offered to me first. Um, <laughs> so, um, I, th- and that sort of does mean that I sort of haven't done as much acting 
in the past couple, like in the past, like maybe two or three years. Yeah. Um, and taken on more like technical stuff and more writing stuff just because like those opportunities have presented themselves to me first. So I, you know, so I just jumped on that. Um, but no, I, I still managed to get like a decent amount of acting in. So I'm, yeah, I'm quite fortunate in that sense that I've sort of managed, I've managed to, um, I guess, balance the three yeah. of them. Um, three sort of, I guess, career paths. Um, and it's kind of working out quite well for me at the moment. So yeah. very fortunate. Do you think, do you think you'll stay predominantly in theater or do you think you'll kind of always step into the world of film as well? Um, probably, I will probably sort of stay, um, in theater just because that's, I guess, where all of my training is, all yeah. of my experience and all of that kind of thing. And that's kind of where all of my networks are as well. Yeah. Um, but I mean, if somebody offered me something in film that I thought was like a really great opportunity or it was just something that like looked like a really cool project to do, like there'd be, I would have no hesitation jumping across, um, so <laughs> I like how you look directly at me and you're like, what are you planning? <laughs> there's a, there's always a secret a thing up my sleeve, <laughs> like, yeah. but Amber's used to this. <laughs> yeah, definitely. But I mean, like, yeah, I mean, because theater, I feel like I grew up with theater, mm. but it was something that I didn't stick around with. Mm. So it's sort of. Like, I trained in theatre. Yeah. So, it was, like, my first kind of real love. But then I developed stage fright, which, you know, didn't really help. Yeah. Um, it's because, it, like, I, long story, but it was, like, <laughs> down to a really bad monologue that I wrote. And someone in school just really, like, tore it apart. Oh. And I think when you've had one bad experience mm-hmm. and you're quite an anxious person, it kind of just puts you off performing and, and sort of, like, exposing yourself. So, it was, like, coming back into the limelight. And I love performing now. But I do think... That, like, my strengths are, you know, organizing, mm. directing, and and writing, which is, like, predominantly where, you know, my strengths lie. Mm-hmm. And the other side of that is, like, acting just comes as a nice little hobby for me. Yeah. But, yeah, it's very much like I can look at actors now, and I don't know if you do this too, where you know particularly actors that are suited for television, theater. Like, it's very, there's a divide. Oh. And I think it's, like, because I remember watching this, sort of documentary about um and it was actually another i another thing i saw recently as well there's a couple of documentaries i watched where they're like actors were going from theater to film and back in the 60s and 50s and they were like okay well i have to perform smaller Mm. and the same with um tim curry when he did rocky horror picture show Mm. because they'd all come from the theater stage to do it in film and he said okay well i've got to do a less exaggerated version of what i did in the theater Mm. and tone it down for the film and so it was all kind of like these things of you know watching it very awkwardly through a camera lens but when you watch the final product it's fun but yeah it's kind of like you know very technical Mm. um and there's some actors that i'm definitely go they're a theater because of how they do gestures or how they they you know because it's sort of like You've only got that square, so mm. you haven't got a lot of room to, you know, do, do a lot. It's the same with radio as well. It's like um, you kind of don't see the actor, so you kind of just hear their voice. It, what what medium do you like, you know, would you want to challenge yourself to write for, though, is probably my next thought. Um, I mean... I guess the, I mean, I'm currently sort of undertaking um, like quite a massive challenge. Um, I'm actually, um, I've been sort of assigned to write a TV show for film. So um, 
that's sort of been like this, <laughs> this incredibly like massive, massive challenge. Um, and I'm sort of obviously very fortunate to be attached to it, but I guess that's sort of my big, big writing challenge at the moment yeah. because it's um, it's a historical, it's a World War II drama about female combat pilots. Yes, 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 um, yes. which I remember chatting to you about. Yeah. Like what, like a little over last year or something like that? Oh, I'm going to be on this project for years. It's going <laughs> yeah. to take, take me ages. Um, um, yeah, no, so I'm... So yeah, I sort of got attached to that because they, the company that I'm that I'm doing with it, um, doing it through um, Osborne Media, they, um, they sort of knew me as like a playwright, um, yeah. and sort of knew of my work in that regard. And so when this came up and they needed a writer, they were like, "Well, <laughs> I mean, Amber can write for performance. She'll be right." <laughs> um, yeah, and then I got attached to the project and I'm working with the creator, um, Jennifer Carey, who's this incredible, incredible yeah. woman. Um, and we basically, because it's a historical um, story, we have a lot of research that we need to do. Yeah. Um, like a lot of research that we need to do um, in order to get it to, to where we want it. Um, so that's sort of like the, like the really big challenge for me because this time around I'm not just making shit up. Yeah, um, which is kind of what I've done for my last, uh, my last two two pieces. I mean, both of my last two plays, the various methods, um, and let me know if you feel something. They are both sort of pieces that are heavily researched because they're about um, sort of real life issues. So they are heavily researched, and I have taken a lot of um, things from real life. Yeah, but with this, because it's particularly because it's going um, onto film. Um, to being like to being a TV show, um, one thing that we're very conscious about, and something that I don't worry too much about in theater, is the fact that like, even like if we're slightly historically inaccurate, if there's yeah. like something that's slightly off in the you know, you know, if, if there's something slightly off in the way that we've told the story, we're gonna get slaughtered for it. <laughs> um, well, not necessarily slaughtered, but the audiences are gonna call us out on it. Yeah. Um, and that's something that I. Um, which I think is um, which I think is great. I really love the fact that um, we're sort of being held accountable for the, yeah. for, the for, for what we're putting out there, because um, I think that um, it's really important to like to be aware of the fact that a lot of the way that we conduct ourselves in like in society is because you know we've we've received a lot of information from the media um and you know we've sort of in, like yeah internalized all of that so um yeah we are so there's that sort of like extra level of like just sort of being careful what we do do with the material and making sure that it is sort of accurate and that it will you know it you know like it's going to be sort of right for the audiences that are going to yeah. see it so that's sort of my big my big massive writing challenge at the moment <laughs> I mean, it's interesting as well because it's like not something I feel a lot of people know about mm -hmm. as well, um, which is interesting because the you know the um, sort of whole what women did during World War Two, especially female pilots and everything, was kind of glossed over a lot. In and I didn't even know about any of that until know, like three years ago. Yeah. Um, and yeah, it's huge. Like it's massive. Um, what are they called? ATAs? Yeah, that's um. I think that that's the American. Yeah, the I don't American. Know. The American sort of branch. Um, yeah. So that's that's a group of of those women. But like, you also had um the the particular ones that I'm looking at at the moment for the episode that I'm writing um is the ones that were 
um, like the Russian pilots. Oh, cool! It's very cool. Um, and then yeah, I've got to like, and then I, other than the Americans, I've also got to look at um, like the British pilots, and they also had um, some Indian pilots as well. So um, just kind of like collecting all of those yeah. stories, and then finding a way to sort of um, to structure that into the series. Yeah, because there's like. <laughs> I think I think something that's interesting is like looking at um, you know um, women and their roles during World War Two, mm. and you kind of all you know. I remember when I was a kid, I thought, oh, they're all probably nurses or something, and it's not true. There was like a lot of them were doing stuff, and then I think when the fifties and sixties hit, mm. and they were all stay at home mums, or you know, like the war was over, it was kind of like we want to do other things mm. because we've had all these opportunities. So yeah, this whole structure really did shift um, because of you know, that World War II aspect. And I think the, yeah, public knowledge, even though we're a less sort of very um, bigoted society, mm. it is good to inform people, especially the older generation and you know, and, and our generation more that there were a lot of different, mm. like, things. Like, history is to look back on and go, oh, okay, everyone kind of did stuff during the war and, and, and during the 50s and 60s mm. that, you know, I think it's like even I watched um, the Suffragette um, movie that came uh, out. Yeah. Carrie, um, Carrie Mulligan yeah. came out a few years back, and that's great. Yeah, but it's just kind of like that had to happen in order for the vote. Yeah, like that things like that that you just don't think about growing up. Mm. And um, yes, like the male gaze kind of glossed over in my um, eyes for years. But you know, I think it was also because I had a great mum, and she would take me to these movies, and she would just be like, "These are films that." will help you. Yeah. And they do. They're massive and I love them. Um, but, yeah, there's a lot of things that you don't realise in the background that actually happen to, you know, change the direction of history. And then, you know, like today, corporation is still run by men, a lot of them. So, you know, yeah. living this. Is that, is that something also like are you hoping for an all-female kind of like um, crew or cast one day in, in something you write? Is that something that you aim entirely for um i've never actually thought about it to be honest um it would be really cool if i could sort of if that if that would happen but i it's also not something that i think at this point for just the projects that i've got going on at the moment is a is a priority yeah um particularly with all of the like all of the pieces that i'm working on at the moment they all have men in them in some way shape or form so there has to be a dude (laughs) floating around somewhere um (laughs) No, but uh, yeah, I um no, that's just not a priority. But I mean, like, it would be very cool to sort of do to do a project um that was sort of women focused and had um yeah. yeah the whole the whole cast and the whole crew and basically like everybody on the team was was a woman. I think that that'd be amazing. But it's just not something that I've got in the pipeline <laughs> at the moment. But it's something to aim for. <laughs> That'd be great. I feel like you would thrive and and, and love that environment. Um, is that like, do you get to select who directs your plays, or do you, or or is it kind of just happen? Um, it kind of just it kind of just happened because I'm I'm still quite a I'm still quite a new writer and a new playwright. Yeah. So, um, at 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 the moment, I'm just. Um, I guess interested in anyone who is interested in the work. So, um, yeah, I mean, I've had a couple of different directors look at um, various methods, um, which is the one that's sort of about to premiere. Yeah, which is being what two years delayed or something. Yeah, something crazy. <laughs> COVID, like that. COVID did well. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> it was delayed for two years. So I'm, I'm very glad that we're still doing it. Um, 
Yeah, so that had a couple of different directors sort of look at it and yeah. sort of help sort of shape it. And what was really nice about having multiple directors look at it and work on it was just the fact that they all brought different perspectives and they yeah. were all from different walks of life. Um, so they really, I guess, helped in, in that sense um, to really shape the production. Um, and then my second play that I'm sort of doing a bit of workshopping on at the moment, that one I've had a couple of different um, directors and people look at it. Um which has been really great because I've sort of been getting the same sort of thing where I'm getting a lot of different perspectives and it's been really um, interesting in terms of um, how that work is being perceived. Yeah. Um, but I think with um, various methods, it just happened that our mutual friend, uh, LeVue, wanted to direct that one and say so that's yeah. um, what he's doing at the moment. Um, but I think with my second piece, which is let me know if you feel something, I think that I'll probably have to be a little bit more um, selective, I guess, yeah. in terms of who I want to direct it, just because of, I guess, it's 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 material and what I'm what I'm sort of discussing. Yeah, I mean, like it, it's interesting because you know, um, and I mean, it's there's always very different types of directors. Mm. Um, the view we've both worked with, so we yeah. know exactly what kind of director he is. Um, I mean, they're the nicest way. Love you, love you. <laughs> but um, yeah, it's it's very interesting when you hear different directors because I've I've worked a couple of my friends I've worked with, and yeah, it's like you go to set and you go, and and I've had this even said to me by them. It's like you direct differently to what I would do. Like, mm. there's no right or wrong way to do something. Mm. There's just different ways. Yeah. And then when you kind of like, um, and I feel like as a director, you don't want to step on other directors' toes because you're like, well, that's your decision. Because mm. at the end of the day, you're directing this. I'm not. Mm. Um, but yeah, we kind of like do support each other and go, that was good or that was like, you know, I probably mm. wouldn't have done that or you know. But um, it's it's very much a a whirlpool because um what was it uh i i feel like there's certain actors as well this is this is how i think about with like scripts that i write there's certain actors do you hear voices when you write like who specifically you want cast in in certain roles because i do that where mm. i write a character and i'm like oh i can only picture this one voice in this role oh. and i hope they like it that's so interesting because i i actually don't have that and um which is something that I was like a little bit afraid of when I first started writing was that in my sort of mind I would um like I'd pick people to play the characters or yeah. I would um you know like have a really really clear idea of what I wanted the person to look like um and I, I'm actually really glad that that sort of didn't occur for me just because particularly when I have cast some other things yeah um the people that we ended up casting were completely different to what I would have, like, you know, what I sort of did imagine or, like, would have imagined. Yeah. Like, they, I think because I didn't have, like, a really set idea in my mind of who I wanted and um, what I wanted them to sound like or what I wanted them to look like, um, I, you know, I sort of was more open to just having, um, like a, a like I guess a broader idea of who could play the role. Yeah. Um. And yeah, because that's definitely happened where I've where I've cast somebody in in a role that's a, something that I wrote, um, and they were completely different to what you would assume the character would be like, and they and they killed it obviously. Yeah. Um. But yeah, it was like quite a nice 
I guess, feeling for for me to see that like even the um the biases that I had in my own mind, like they're not entire, like they're not correct. Yeah, um, I mean, I think I'm feel like I'm the same. Yeah, <laughs> which is like um I I tend not I don't like directing always original stuff that I've written. Mm-hmm. I find it very kind of like hit or miss mm-hmm. because it's like you want someone else to kind of cast but I do love directing other people's things because then I do love casting mm. like I love sitting in a room and singing with actors and listening to everyone's different voices um and generally like I do do that thing where I kind of don't see everyone as certain types of roles yeah um I don't you know like you can they're like oh I've been typecast as like what how yeah how have you been typecast as this kind of role um and I think some people are completely different to you know the type of roles they're being cast um, and they've just been never given the opportunity. Like one, um, yeah, like I know a few friends who would just absolutely love, but you know, the moment you put them in front of, you know, they're great at comedy, they're great at drama, then you just, but no one would ever think of them as comedy and like mm. a comedic actor. And you're yeah. like, well, they are. Cause you know, I've proved it. They've proved it. But yeah, it's like the funny bone that most pro- you know, senior producers or something like that and commercialized um don't see and i do think that typecasting still like is a bit of a, like something i don't see mm. um cause, yeah i just kind of like weirdly glaze over all the all the potential of typecasting but it is interesting because i try not to pick favorites as well i like working with different people mm. so um i always like to work with new people and not the same cast necessarily because and i don't know why I like are you the opposite where you like working with the same people and you try and always like bring them back or are you kind of like working with different people all the time? Um, well, I guess I'm sort of quite fortunate in the sense that um, a lot of the stuff that I that I do means that I work with different people all the time, <laughs> um, and I and I really really enjoy it. Um, just because yeah, it it really comes down to particularly when you're creating a work having new people to to bring in new perspectives and new ideas yeah um that's something that i that i really enjoy so yeah if i if i can you know if i can i always try to um work with new people people that i hadn't worked with before but sometimes just out of necessity you kind of do either see somebody that you have worked with before and you know that they're going to be great in in that role or like they're going to be a great director for the for the piece or whatever um or like sometimes that like sometimes the people that you have worked with in the past just because of the nature of the work that we do sometimes that's the only people that you have access to yeah um so sometimes that that, that's how it happens but like i mean i'm i'm definitely all for like open casting calls that kind of thing like i always do open casting calls um (laughs) because i i do want every and you know like you know open applications because i do want everyone who wants to work on the project to have that opportunity to yeah. like put themselves forward just because i think particularly in um in this industry there is a lot of like pre-casting yeah um and there is a lot of like just allocating um projects to to people that you do already know um and it can be really hard for like new people to break in or yeah for them or for yeah even for people who are sort of t- generally typecast in a particular role even for them to just see an opportunity to try something else um so yeah i i'm a massive believer in things like open casting calls and open applications for things. yeah i mean like uh, it's kind of hard as well because covid i feel like shot 
a lot of people on the foot when yeah. it came to new opportunities and new ideas. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um, like I think at last year, I only worked on two projects because of COVID, mm. which was, you know, and um, like I, I wrote a lot of original ideas. I worked mm. on this podcast. Which yeah. <laughs> can't sneeze. But um, yeah, like 2019 sort of was like the last proper year that I felt like I was consistently doing stuff. And then like 2020 to 2021, it's like patches. Like you get patches of work and then you suddenly just have, you know, unless you're creating your own work, mm. you're kind of hoping because a lot of the projects kind of get delayed. And I think, yeah, like, you know, obviously with your own play, it's gotten delayed um, since when was it originally meant to be released? So I think we were originally meant to do it in June of 2020. And then, <laughs> yeah, and then we were meant to do it and then we rescheduled it for um, August of 2021 and now we're doing it um, in in May of um, 2022. Yeah, so I mean, like, <laughs> I mean, so all... ho- hopefully we will get to do it this time. Yeah, I know. Hopefully. By the time this episode comes out, it will be May, so yes. or early June. Um, either one of the times really depends on my schedule. <laughs> <laughs> I'm guilty, um, but yeah, no. Hopefully, it's done well. I will probably come and see it because you know. Oh, I really hope. I do. do. I hope. I've been talking about it with you enough, so I'm gonna stop. I'm gonna go and come. Um, But yeah, like I mean, it it does feel interesting that um, you know, like that's been two years Mm -hmm. of your life Mm -hmm. with you know, obviously clearly different people coming in and out. Because we were talking off mic, you had to recast. Yeah. Like how many actors dropped out and came, you know, and you had to redo. Um, I think I lost. I've lost two each time. So I lost two two actors the first time around and then I lost two actors the second time around. Yeah. Yeah. I've lost, yeah. Yeah. So I've, 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 we've had to recast like four times. Yeah. Um. So, yeah, because those are like, those are the actors just because of like either either life or um they were sort of given other opportunities. They kind of just dropped out of the project, which is, you know, totally understandable when it's being postponed for two years. Um, yeah. But, you know, like, and I, but I've still got, majority of my cast are still still with us so that's <laughs> that's um that's very exciting yeah i that's a feat okay. it's 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 something that proves uh i always say this it proves that you're worthwhile and like it, that's it's so nice of you to say it, it does <laughs> i mean i don't know if it sounds like a backwards compliment kind of in some weird um way but it, it it's kind of like we're we're we've already proven ourselves so people just stick around and they mm-hmm. like the work and the people who drop out are just for various different commitment mm. issues. Like I've never had anyone drop out of a project on a bad. Um, I've only ever had it once, I think once mm. or twice ever in my career mm. has anyone dropped out because they disliked something or it, it wasn't for them or mm. any various reasons. But most of the time people just go, I've got, you know, this other opportunity and I'm just going to take it and it's going to clash with this. So see you later kind of thing. Yeah. But I want to work on the next thing that you've got going. Mm-hmm. Like it's never, oh dear Lord, you know, um, you know, it's just kind of hard um, to kind of schedule everyone's lives around something, especially because like um, I do, it does depend on the budget you have. Yeah. And that is like, and the time frame. Yeah. Because I work with a lot of people who are, you know, either doing it for money or doing it for free. Mm. And depending on that situation, the people who are free, you're just hoping they turn up. Yeah. Because the people who are getting paid will turn up regardless. Yeah. Like, that's just 101 fact. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I've definitely been on set. Luckily, it's never happened to me. 
where everyone's turned up doesn't matter regardless of the situation but i have heard of those sets where people don't Mm. and you just go oh god like that's the worst or people just don't can't um email you back or they just Mm. go they ghost you have you ever had the ghosting aspect when you've tried to you know like you've had someone cast or someone's just disappeared into the ether and you've never understood why oh happens happens all the time (laughs) happens all the time um yeah no it's it is like it is something that does happen and i think it happens a lot more obviously um in free work but i have seen it in paid work as well yeah um and it's just it's just i guess one of those one of those things it is just what it is yeah um i i'm just trying to think now i feel as though i hope i hope that i've never done it um just because i i don't i don't want to work that way yeah um but yeah it is it's something that i'm always prepared for like yeah. i'm always prepared for the fact that like you put in so much effort for this for this piece and for them to just not show up on the day like i'm i'm so like emotionally prepared for something like that um yeah, but like I mean, it hasn't happened to me in quite a while, so like hopefully, fingers crossed, it um it will remain that way. But I mean, like one of the um like that happens to me, I guess, a lot um in the writing sphere where you would meet somebody and you would pass work back and forth for a little yeah. while, um and then you know after a while they they would just like they either don't um like they they sort of stop commenting after a while or they sort of stop like sort of being involved and sending you stuff um, and then you just kind of like peter out. But there's no there's no sort of like, oh, I'm done with this, bye. Yeah. Um, kind of thing. It just, yeah, it just sort of falls by the wayside. I, uh, this was years ago, but I remember my first ever, I don't know how the pitch happened. It was kind of like I was just straight out of high school mm-hmm. and one of my friends wrote something. I was like, this, you know, sounds like a fun sci-fi idea and mm-hmm. I've got a handy cam and a little microphone. I can do this. And uh, you know, it was like back when, you know, I was 19, had a couple of drama friends and I kind of picked up these other friends during it. Mm. Um, one of them's gone on to be a soundie in the US, which is fantastic because it's really kind of juxtaposition because he was such a good actor. <laughs> um, but it was kind of interesting because we did have one person just completely stop responding mm. to emails and we were using their place as a location. And then they just suddenly filming couldn't go ahead anymore because we had filmed half a scene and we had lost half our actor because they had moved overseas and so we couldn't really refilm it. Mm. So we were kind of stuck with half a scene and an incomplete project. And it, I remember the saddest feeling we'd have worked on, we because we, you know, back then some of us were going to uni and stuff, we could only film on weekends. Mm. So it was whenever we could. Mm. And a lot of the stress came suddenly from just, organizing and availabilities and i think by the end of it it was the first time i was ever felt like oh god this is way harder than i anticipated and it was the first experience of ghosting and stuff like that and i and i don't think i fully was equipped um to deal with that but i also thought it was very interesting because it was pretty soon after school. I didn't know a lot about film. I didn't know how, other than watching film, I didn't know kind of other than acting, mm. what that entailed. And I remember this is, <laughs> this is always the thing when friends talk about you and they go, oh, they're really into this. And then suddenly that, you know, everyone goes and knows me as the film person. Mm. I'm like, oh, okay. And so you kind of have to pretend like you know what you're talking about at this weird age. Um, and that was kind of where I was at. Mm. And then I did like a course years later and like a few years later and actually learned a lot more. 
But um, yeah, there was like always these things where I was like thought, I think people thought I was here when I was probably just like yeah. in the in the early learning stage. And I think that wasn't me overselling myself. It was all my friends doing that. And then people just exaggerating, but I didn't have the confidence to say I'm not that. Mm. And that was my Achilles heel to be like, oh, I'm down here still learning. Mm. And I feel like, you know, nowadays I still say that to people. It's like, I'm always learning mm. because you can't go into any project and not 100% know everything. Oh, yeah. Because it's virtually impossible. Um, and yeah, it's like, I'm still learning how to, you know, like do writing and, you know, and performing mm. and everything. And like, it's, it takes time. It takes practice. Mm. Um, but I feel like we forget that when, you know, everyone sees how hard we work and how many projects we've got and everyone goes, oh, you know, you, you're probably famous already. And it's like, I guess like just hard working. Like, um, do you, do you find it weird now that people know who you are more so now than they used to? Because I find that incredibly weird. <laughs> <laughs> I actually, I, I, I honestly don't feel as though people know who I, who I am. Um, they will after this. After this, they will. Um, no, but I mean, I definitely want to just um, jump off the back of what, what you said in terms of like, yeah, people think that you're the expert on, yeah. on this, like on this particular subject where I'm still very much a person where with everything that I'm doing, I'm like, I'm doing it because it's how I, how I learn. Um, yeah. You know, like I, 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 you know, for example, like I never studied playwriting. I've never studied writing. Um, so when I, when I wrote my first play, that was my education of yeah. how to write for performance. Um, and I'm still like learning to this day. Like, and I can see that in, in the work that I've sort of been, been making when I look at the first thing that I sort of wrote, which got made was um, like a short film that I made while I was at uni. And I and I look back at that, and I look back at the writing for that, and I cringe because it's, <laughs> it's terrible. And then I look at um, various methods, and you know, and I look at that, and I look at that in comparison to my second play, and then I'm looking at that in comparison to the work that I'm doing now. Um, they're all very, very different in the way that the the writing style is, mm. and, and um, the way that I'm approaching the the material and all of that kind of thing. So yeah, it's. It's still, I'm still learning um, and I'll be the first to admit that I have no idea what I'm doing half the time. <laughs> um, yeah, no, um, but yeah, no, I um, I definitely spend a lot of my time sort of telling people that I'm just making it up as I go along. Yeah. Um, and I think, yeah, but I think that that's why I'm such a person that's like, yeah, I'll do that. Or like, um, I'll be like, oh yeah, I'll jump on this project and help you yeah. out with that. Just because I see it as like a learning opportunity and I'm going to learn how to do it. Yeah, I'm I'm 100% the same. I think um, I'm known now as the audio person because I do a podcast. And it's so funny because I never trained in it. Mm. Um, and like, you know, the, the fact that I'm so good at it now is just being rinse and repeat. Mm. Um, but it, yeah, as you were saying with writing, you've just got to do that. You've mm. got to know your medium or know what you, you know, you want to strengthen your skills at mm. and keep doing it. But yeah, I, I don't, I'm, <laughs> I'm the same as you. I make it up half the time. Like um, I've had, I remember once um, as well, like, uh, you know, I do photography and someone was like, don't you have a studio? I was like, no, like they are expensive. <laughs> like yeah. there's, there's all these factors that I think 
people assume that you have mm. and then you actually don't have and they go, oh, that's surprising. And you're like, does every photographer or every writer have a room where they go to and write? Like I generally spend a lot of my time on the couch editing. <laughs> like I don't have a dedicated desk. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, there's a, lot of, there's a lot of things that I think people assume and then actually what's reality, mm. which is, you know, um, just a lot of hard work behind the scenes for us to sit late at night or early in the morning where we're conjuring up ideas or we're doing something and it's a lot of just um, as what I used to love about writing, which was a lot of sitting around and hoping that that blank page might become something. Does that still happen to you where you look at a blank page for hours and you just go... <sighs> That that's how I explain writing to people. Like people, <laughs> people explain. Like people are always like, um, oh, like what's it like being a writer? Like it must be great. And I'm and I'm literally like I literally sit around being like, fuck this, this is bullshit. <laughs> like, <laughs> um, yeah. So like I I like I do describe writing in that sense as like a very yeah. sort of painful process. Uh-huh. Um, because it it is like it's it is like a very sort of lonely way to 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 make to make work um and yet a lot of the time you are sort of sitting there staring at a blank page just being like why am I doing this to myself (laughs) um but it it like it's worth it in the end yeah um particularly when you do have a final product that you are like really happy with and people are responding to it and that is sort of what makes it all worth it but yeah there's definitely a lot of sitting around being like this shit what am I doing I think it's also like I'm always impressed when people like give ideas out and uh, and i remember like um i know they just keep writing and writing and a lot of the time i'll write half a script or i'll write a bit of a script and then go into another idea and write a bit of that and then come back to that one like i'll juggle around ideas because you d- you know people think oh you've spent months just solely on one project and you're like kind of spent months doing multiple things to write multiple ideas because you'll have something extract from your brain that doesn't actually relate to the project you're working on but you like the idea so you write it down and Mm. come back to it and it's sort of yeah it's weird how writing forms because it's never linear it's never um it's so out of order and I will sometimes think of the last scene before I think of the first scene and and the middle and I'll be like okay well I need to get here so how do I work backwards? Mm. Do you do that or are you a very linear kind of like writer? Um, <laughs> um it, it definitely happened with my with my first play, Various Methods, where um, I had the idea sort of bouncing around in the back of my mind and I wrote the last scene of the play first and then I had to work out how we got to the, to the last scene. Um, so I definitely sort of worked in that way, but I find that um, what really – um sticks in my mind in terms of and of writing a play or coming up with an idea mm. is like a is like an image. Yes. So I'll have like an image in my mind of if something that happens and then from that image I've got to make a story from that. Yeah. So that's kind of how that happens. Unfortunately I'm not a person that will sort of be writing something and be like, oh another idea has popped up. Let me write that down and then like I've got something to come back to. It's like me coming up with an idea particularly at the moment is like trying to like you know extract blood from a stone (laughs) um and I don't have a flurry of ideas just pouring out of me it's really like I'll have 
like half an idea or yeah. half a, half an like half an you know like half an image or half a scene or half a sentence or something like that. Yeah, yeah. And then I've really got to really work for it to to come up with a fully planned you know like a full storyline. Yeah, that's so hard. Like I'm the <laughs> I'm the same as well in some aspects, mm-hmm. but I definitely like uh, write scenes completely out of order Mm. and generally my favorite thing is to expo dump characters with a lot of information Mm -hmm. and then work backwards to be like okay we'll refine that dialogue because Mm -hmm. why would they say that i need to know all that but the audience can kind of get in dribs and drabs and they don't need someone just going here's the facts like because no one talks like that yeah um so yeah it's always working backwards a little bit in my head to be like what's kind of scene will I be telling and what's the emotion um but generally like yeah it's it's kind of nuts when I sit there because I feel like a deranged human um scribbling little notes down Uh, I don't know if you do this but do you just kind of like dump thought dump a lot of the time do you just kind of like write in the thought dump if when you can um yeah I do (laughs) um I yeah all I'll have like I guess different versions of like a particular scene and that's all I've kind of got in my brain and so I'll just write all of that down and then I'll come back and I'll look at it and be like okay well which one is gonna work best um yeah but I think one thing that I do a lot of because a lot of my writing is you know requires a you know a fair amount of research because I'm looking at um, like social issues and all of that kind of thing. Yeah. Um. So it does require a fair amount of research. So I, but ten, what I tend to do more than anything is I just information dump into into the characters. So like if I know um that you know um I want them to get to this point by the end of the scene, but I don't know how I'm going to be able to get there. Yeah. In sort of like a more creative way, I'll just information dump them with like a whole bunch of information that I have to know that I have to make sure that I remember in order to write the scene. Yeah. Um. And I I found that I actually did that a lot with um the first couple of drafts and even probably the final draft of um various methods is that there's a lot of stage directions. Yes. Um. And the reason why there's a lot of stage directions is it's so that I remember what I was trying like what I'm trying like what I was trying to get at when I was like writing the scene it's like little notes for myself to be like oh that's what i wanted the character to do or like that's what i wanted to happen by the end of the scene and i put it all in the sort of stage directions so that like i I, like i remember it um particularly when i go back to do more edits Um, yeah and that's kind of how i how i tend to do it and then with i think when i when i wrote uh let me know if you feel something i didn't have as many stage directions for that one but a lot of the information dumping that I did was in the character's dialogue. Yeah. And so, like, suddenly the characters will just start, like, quoting, like, um, science textbooks and stuff like that. <laughs> and and then I'll come back to it and be like, all oh, right, that's what I need to include. I just need to do it in a more, yeah. like, in the, you know, in a way that the characters would talk about it. But it was just, like, little notes and, like, little reminders to myself um, when I was, like, writing just to make sure that I, that I got everything that in the script that I wanted yeah. to get into it. Which I mean, I've, <laughs> I love that because that's like, it's my favorite thing to read is like the thought dump or the little little notes that you leave yourself mm-hmm. behind. Um, I've definitely done the same yeah. where I like write motives or, or emotional kind of like 
you know, it, especially if I write a lot of stuff that I always picture for radio and it's interesting. I still write stage directions in that, even though oh, there, there nice. are none, like you don't see them. So it does help me kind of visualize what um, kind of I see the characters do and, and what I interpret they would do in a situation. But yeah, it's like a lot of, yeah, to and froing and just making sure I know where what's happening but yeah it's, it's interesting because it was like something that was talked to me so young and you want you read a lot of like other scripts where they have written no stage direction you know, just like opening scene dialogue opening and i remember like yeah there's um the the thing that i was always taught when you know when translating plays to film or anything mm. was shorten the dialogue mm. and really cut down on what needed to be said and what actually is only said for theatre and what is said for film. And that's been something that I love. And and the same with radio. Radio is fun because you don't have characters necessarily say nothing when someone walks across the room. They're like, and now approaching is so-and-so. Mm. So you, because there's otherwise no visual cue. Yeah. So it's very interesting listening to how people write different mediums and how they work because, yeah, it's, it's not all the same. And mm. I think it's really good to know your medium when you're writing as well, even though it's kind of all a learning curve as we go. Yeah. Um, when you kind of get this formality to it, it, it is very kind of like, okay, well, you know, and the, you know, it was like Greek plays. You remember how they didn't have any action. It was all just people running left and right of stage and just telling us what happened off scene. Mm. And it was really annoying because as a you know person who wanted to see the action, you didn't see it, but yeah. it was how that you know Greek tragedies and Greek plays were written. Mm -hmm. Nowadays, that's not the case. You actually see the battle or you see an interpretation of what is projected of the battle and people screaming and dying and then sort of curtain closes and whatever actually mm -hmm. happens. But yeah, it's very different to, you know, um, like it's so important when you watch things or you make things to kind of like make sure that you're clear and concise as well in your meaning and what you're trying to tell with that story. And I find that dreadfully terrifying and fascinating mm. at the same time. Are you the same where you're just kind of like, God? <laughs> yeah, a little bit. Um, <laughs> yeah, because I mean, sometimes it's, it is really hard, I guess, to kind of get everything that you would want to say yeah. into a piece. Um, and sometimes, yeah, you do have to you really have to be like, okay, well, I have to leave this out because it's for the good of the story or the story's not working because I'm I'm trying to cram too much information in. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, sometimes sometimes it's really hard. Sometimes <laughs> you're like, no, I love this scene. But you've got you've to get rid of it. You've got <laughs> to cut it from the story. Yeah, it's a shame. Um, I'm going to ask you now a very, like, you know, personal question. Well, it's not really personal, but it's about you as a young, young human. Mm -hmm. Um, growing up, um, because where do whereabouts did you grow up in Australia? Um, I moved around a little bit, but I mainly spent most of my my childhood in Canberra. So you you're a Can a Cambrian. So is it, is Canberra, that, like yeah, Canberrian. Canberrian. <laughs> I don't um, know. So that's like Canadian. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um yeah so you're from originally from well theoretically from canberra yeah basically um what yeah. was your decision to move to sydney um i think because in um in canberra we don't have a like we have like a really really like strong community theater yeah um 
kind of environment and that's where I you know that's where I basically really started and that's where like a lot of my love for this sort of stuff was really cultivated um but there's no real professional world in Canberra um and so I moved to Sydney because that was you know like a city that I was like familiar with and I sort of was really familiar with the professional world there Mm. and so that's kind of why I moved I mean you know unless you wanted to get into politics Canberra's not not really an option um and most of my family are in politics over there or some sort of form of government Mm. work um yeah it's not a very I love Canberra as Mm. a place to visit not as a place to live, um, yeah, yeah. which sounds really judgmental, but I, gr- <laughs> I went there a lot as a kid yeah. um, because my aunt lives there. Mm-hmm. It's, it's like, yeah, it's interesting because mm-hmm. I grew up in Sydney and I kind of hate the hustle and bustle of it though. Yeah. It's very noisy and very busy. Mm-hmm. Do you find that like a little bit intimidating as well or kind of in- invigorating that it's so hustle and bustle here? Um, to be honest, I don't really notice it. Like, it, like I, I, I recognize that there, like, there's a lot going on, and it, it, it is really, really busy. But it doesn't affect me in either like a positive or a negative way. Oh, that's good. Um, <laughs> yeah, no. Um, and like even when I was living in Canberra, like, um, I sort of never, I, I never really took notice of like the slowness of it. In comparison to to Sydney, it's only when I like lived in Sydney for a little bit and then came back to Canberra, then then did I notice the differences. Yeah. Um. But yeah, the I guess the vibe of either of either city sort of doesn't doesn't phase me, and it doesn't. It, I feel as though I'm a person that adapts to situations quite <laughs> well. So that like, um, yeah, when I sort of go and visit either of those, you know, or if I'm living in Sydney or if I'm living in Canberra or I'm visiting either either city. Um, I'm, you know, I'm quite used to it. I'm not phased by the way no, that it is. No, I would, I'd never describe you as someone who's phased <laughs> by a lot, which is interesting because that's how I remember kind of thinking, oh, you're cool. Because uh, <laughs> it was like sitting on the, I think we were sitting on the floor just chatting about like theater stuff. Yeah. And I was just like, oh yeah, you're like not even phased by the, the ensued chaos that was happening around us. But yeah, you're so chilled. You're very like calm and and collected, which is very different to how a lot of people are in Sydney, with mm. or like a lot of Sydney goers, because it's I feel like there's a sense of like anxiety and stress, like we're constantly um, trying to be the best and or mm. like you know because it's such a happy city like happening city mm. that everyone's trying to compete. Whereas in like yeah, like people who come in, it kind of feels a little less like competing, and they're just trying to enjoy the flow and everything that happens. Um, I do not know. Do you feel like you're you're just enjoying everything that comes your way? Um, I de- I definitely try to. Um, it's really interesting that you that you said that I come across as like calm and collected because I I don't feel that way at all. <laughs> Are um, you very anx- anxiety ridden? I yeah, I am a, a person that is very sort of anxiety ridden. Um, like my my greatest talent, I think, is stressing about things that haven't even happened yet. <laughs> like. <laughs> Um, and you know, like I have a real tendency to like catastrophize things in my mind. Oh, as welcome well. to the club then. You know, you're, you're at home here. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I'm, I'm quite terrible at it. Um, and it really, it does, it takes up a lot of my brain space. I think just being anxious about things. Um, but yeah. That's- I mean, when did this start? When did this anxiety sort of like, was it from young or has it just always been there? Um, I think... Like I mean, I pro- look. Let I mean, 
I'll put it down to to probably it all kicking off when I was a teenager because I feel as though that's when everybody's anxiety <laughs> kicked in when they realized what they were actually doing in, yeah. in the world. Um, yeah, so probably probably that. Um, but I mean, you know, I think one thing that I obviously try to do when I go into this really anxious spiral about being like, oh, my God, like, am I going to, you know, am I going to get this done? Am I, you know, am I going to fit yeah. this in? Am I going to, you know, am I going to disappoint this person by doing this, et cetera, et cetera. Um, yeah, I do sort of try to sort of sit there and be like, okay, you actually really need to enjoy the situation yeah. that you're in. Um, and that's something that I'm, that I sort of do struggle with is like just enjoying like the present. Um, cause I stress so much about the future. Um, and yeah, no, and I often sort of have these sort of like thought conversations with myself where I'm, where like I'll stress about something that hasn't happened yet because, you know, like, and I think it's going to turn out to be like completely disastrous and then you know, like it'll, I'll get to the, to the point that I was stressing about and then it all worked out fine and I stressed yeah. for nothing. And then I like look back and I'm like, well, I'm really annoyed at you now because you ruined the, you know, you ruined this experience that you were having in the present by stressing about this thing that was, you know, completely yeah. pointless, you know, in the future. Um, So that is something that I am kind of working on is trying to not stress myself out so much about the future that I actually like and destroy the time that I've got in the present. Yeah. Um, just because I do feel as though like I've had those opportunities, like I've had those experiences where something has happened to me, like that was actually like quite good and something that you like, you know, a normal person would be cheering about. But I was like sitting there as like this, you know, anxious ball of stress and anxiety and like just hated the whole experience. And then when I got to what I thought was going to be, you know, the be all and end all, it turned out to be completely fine. And I was like, well, you just like destroyed this really happy moment because you spent so much time stressing yeah. about it. Um I mean I de- I definitely can relate. To yeah. It's yeah, I've I've definitely been guilty of that. Um I think it's it, it's interesting as well because I feel like um my anxiety is yeah, is similar. It spirals and therefore I'm like oh my god, everyone's going to think either mm. the worst of me or everyone hates me and it's like it's all these unnecessary thoughts. Mm. Um and I definitely think that, um, yeah, it's it's about exposing and, you know, just being like enjoying the moment and mm. your true self. It, it's, I think also, you know, they say with being a creative, you can't not have anxiety. But I, I think there's definitely some sociopathic creators who, mm. who don't have any issues. Kudos to you. Mm. Um, I am not one of them. But, um, yeah, I feel, like, I feel like, that you know, it's kind of hard because we wear our you know emotions on our sleeves mm. we talk about them but then also we're trying not to talk about them too much unless it's through the medium of art and that in there for it's also kind of difficult because yeah i like i think some of the weirdest things is when whenever i finish filming something i get anxious i'm like god oh god this is awful and it's kind of like it's called the director's slump or the creative slump where it's like you've made something and then you've got to go into the post Mm. And you've got to dread how it'll turn out. Mm. And then once it's done, you can go, oh, that was good. And then you move on to the next thing. But it's sort of that constant dread of will people like it? Won't they like mm. it? Are they going to think it's good? Is it going to be worthwhile? Because you kind of want everything to be good. Yeah. But um, it, it is kind of hard because also when we create something and then when it's seen, it is a reflection of time. And like obviously COVID has really shown like, you know, the last two years mm. in particular, it's the same as any film 
you know, I, I know a bunch of friends who go, oh, that, my acting's improved so much in the last year mm-hmm. that by the time the film that they're in comes out, everyone's like, oh, well, you've done so many other things since then or mm-hmm. you've written so many other things. So there is a real sense of difference mm-hmm. um, that, you know, time progresses and, and your skill sets change and evolve. But I do like that you can watch a film or you can see a play and it is a slice of era. Like, you know, this could be, you know, your play right now is mm. Amber, you know, 2020. Mm-hmm. Like, to how long was it? did it take you to write? Like, uh, It was, God, when did I, when did I, I would say that I started writing it in 2017 and then okay. I was like sort of fully done with it in 2019. All right. So it's the 27 to 2019 yeah. version of you. Yeah. Definitely. So like kind of you know that's a slice of your time there and it's kind of cool Mm -hmm. to look back on and go i'm not you know as you say with your different styles and everything that you're changing and evolving but it is also kind of like incredibly like oh embarrassed do you find it embarrassing or do you find it like it kind of just like the older you get the kind of more you're kind of like oh cool that's actually just a time um I think with some of the stuff that I sort of wrote prior to to various methods, I like the the short film that I that I made while I was at uni. Um, I look back at that and I'm like, oh, that's terrible. Like it was, yeah. Um, you know, like the the writing for that was, you know, particularly not my my favorite. But it's something that I look back on and I'm like, I still really like that idea, and I'm like, and I still really like how how that got made and, yeah. and sort of the factors in, you know, around that. Um, and it, you know, and then I guess with uh, various methods, um, I don't sort of write that way anymore. And there's probably a fair bit of dialogue <laughs> in there that I'm like, that I'll look at and I'll be like, oh, I'm so sorry to those actors. Um, <laughs> but uh, like, I, I, I'm not embarrassed by it. Um, just because I think that I got myself to to a place where I was like, no, this is, this is good work and I'm not yeah. going to beat myself up about, about it. Um, it's not the best that I, you know, it's potentially not the best that I could do. Like there's still a huge amount that I need to learn and there's a huge amount of improvement that could be made. Um, but it's not something that I'm embarrassed by. Which is great. Yeah. I mean, like kudos to you. I it's funny because I know, I know a few friends who just kind of go oh that's terrible and stuff and I'm like yeah it's it's great um yeah that was great because mm-hmm. I like oh, like I'm excited to see it I'm excited to see it um I'm also kind of just excited to finally see something that I know you've been talking about for ages yeah and then being able to dissect it with you because that's kind of half the fun I love doing that I oh. It's like people sitting down and you're just going, what do you think? Mm. And you're going, I don't understand this or I understand this. And you mm. can kind of learn through, you know, the audience reflection and everything mm. like that. But, um, yeah, I definitely, I, I've definitely just sort of like think if I watch my first film, HSC film mm. out of um, high school, it was part of HSC. Mm. And, yeah, it's just awful acting, awful writing. But, you know, I look at it and go, it's, 12 years old, happy with it. It's fun. Yeah. Um, you know, and it's a slice of life. Yeah. And I think without the experience, I really wouldn't have, and, and without all the experiences that I've had, I really wouldn't know where my skill sets are right now. Mm. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, there's no real point in stopping because I feel like, um, yeah, you can't, you're only as good as your last project kind of mentality yeah. and you've got to keep 
pushing the the envelope and not trying to repeat yourself too much. And it, you know, it's interesting because I feel like I feel like the audience get more excited for the characters than the creators do because I think we hit a point where we're like, okay, we're ready to move on, and they're like, oh, but we want to see more of this, and we're like, we don't. Yeah. We want to do something new, and so I feel like um, writing for like you know big movies and stuff mm. you know and especially long-running series and stuff like that where actors want to go and do different things i think people love nostalgia mm. and it's really clinging to this sort of level of sense of nostalgia versus like now it's funny because i you know like i remember that with stranger things that's just about comeback for its latest season mm. i'm so bored with the like the show now because it's been on and off mm. for so many years mm. that i think I've grown up and gone on to the other shows yeah. that I think are more interesting. Mm. And I, I think, the you know, some shows just outstay their welcome or they've just kind of time to do something new with them. Mm. Um, and, yeah, there's a lot of, you know, uh, writers who don't want to break away from the mould. A lot of creators who go, oh, but the fans really like this mm. and the audience really likes this. And I, I guess, like, as a writer, would you, are you worried about, you know, because you're about to go and write for TV, are you worried about ratings and stats? And is that a constant thought? In the back of your I hope people like this. Um, I'm not worried about that. But I, know th- <laughs> I, I know that that will be a future Amber problem. Um, <laughs> my, yeah, I guess my my priorities, I guess, particularly with that project at the, at the moment is just getting. Yeah. And it's the same with any sort of writing project that I take on just getting the first draft done like that's how early i am with with this with this film project is just getting the first draft completed is like 90 percent of like of the work yeah um so that's sort of my my priority at the moment and then once i think we kind of get the script and sort of the storyline and the pitch deck and all of that kind of thing to the level that we do that we do want it yeah then i'll start worrying about all of that kind of stuff um (laughs) But yeah, I mean, it's not something that I'm too worried about. But one of the great things that I, I guess, to sort of piggyback off like some of the stuff that you've said, I think one of the great things about us being able to go back and look at our previous work is that we get to sort of look at look at it and go, okay, well, look how far yeah. I've come, and like look at, and you know, and you and you see the problems that you that you that you sort of, I guess, you know, that were in the previous work, mm. and you can be like, well. Like I either don't think that way anymore, or like I wouldn't, you know, I would make it in a different way. Yeah. Um. Or you can, or you know, and like I think that that's a great, a great thing to have, where you can kind of see even with yourself that the material that you made in the past probably isn't reflective of you of you now. Um. And I think that that's that's great. Um. And I think as well. Um. One of my favorite things about being a writer is that you are the authority on anything that you create. So, um, and I, and I just love kind of having, having that power, um, particularly when you are sort of like creating a world, um, and you know, like you're creating these characters and all of that kind of thing, you have like total control over it. So when you've got like audience members who are like, Oh, what would this person do in this situation? Or what would like, or what does this look like? Or Mm. whatever, whatever that's, you get to make all of those decisions. Like there's nobody else that really, that they're really ever going to listen to or really truly believe. Yeah. Um, you know, in terms of like answering those questions, which I like think is is incredible, and that you're like the like you're the gospel. Yeah. Based on the world that you create, and I think that that's that's really nice. Um, because I think that one of the biggest compliments that you can ever get as a writer is that when people start to write fan fiction of your work. God, yeah. 
just because like you like you've got people that are so invested in in the world that you've created and the characters that you create that they don't want to leave it and yeah. so they have to basically they basically even if it's like even if they just like use the characters names and they like you know build worlds completely outside of what you originally yeah. wrote but to have but for them to be so invested in the characters and in the world um that they they have to spend like you know significant amount of time you know like writing fan fiction yeah um and then like sharing it with everybody so that everyone gets to live in that world like a little bit longer like i think that that's like one of the greatest compliments that you can ever get as a writer oh yeah like it <sighs> I'm sort of looking forward to the day when someone wants to write magic for anything that I create. I'm looking forward to that day. But yeah, it's it's yeah, it's the weirdest dream that you know. I'm sure someone's going to write fanfic of something you write one day. Oh, I really hope so. I really hope so. I can't wait to read it. <laughs> You're going to be like stalking the internet, and you know, just like find them. Look, I probably look. I will. I probably <laughs> will. Why not? Um, but yeah, no, I just think that, that that's great. Yeah. Yeah, when people do that, I think that that's amazing. I think, I think you know, how I'm going to wrap this up is that you're amazing and you're talented and therefore you should realise that other people will see that. Thanks so much. You didn't expect that, did you? <laughs> you're like, what? What are we talking about? Um, no, but, where you know, Amber, to finally wrap us up, mm-hmm. where can people stalk you on the internet? Where can they find you? Um. I will admit that I'm not particularly prolific on the internet. On the internet. Um, <laughs> Except for stalking. and Yeah, you know. You stalking others, not them yeah, stalking you. I Look, I love to, like, to scope people out on the internet, um, but it's really hard to do it myself. But you can you can add me as a friend on Facebook, and that's probably about as far as you can go. <laughs> um, but, yeah, no, um, if you just find me, and uh, it should be under Amber Kate Spooner on Facebook. You can add me as a friend and we can have some chats. Um, go, and, go and stalk her in the nice way, not in the not in the <laughs> evil way. Um, and when's your play coming out? Like, when's when when can people go and buy tickets? Because it will probably be halfway through, like, by yeah. the time this comes out. So are they, like, what should they expect? What, that's probably more my apt question. What can they expect if they've tuned in to go and see your play, what and people are still listening to this, and there's a few tickets left. What are they expecting? Um, so, um, my so the play um, that we're talking about is the various methods of escape, um, and it goes up at the Actors Pulse in Redfern, um, and the show dates are the 31st of May to the 4th of June, um, and what you can expect is, as Chris Miller, who is one of my cast members, put it, a mind fuck. <laughs> um but it's 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 a yeah it's a story about a um a girl who was abducted when she was a child and she gets returned to her family when she's a teenager and it's about how um how she and how everybody else in her family dealt with that with the abduction and sort of the fallout from all of that so um if you love psychological like thrillers or you're really into um like you know psychology of any kind um it's definitely like one to watch it'll be 
It should be a really good time. Hopefully. I, I don't want to say hopefully it gets delayed so you can see it because that sounds awful. But it, no, I don't hope it gets delayed. I do hope people go and see it. So no, if um if you haven't bought tickets, go and buy tickets. There will also be a link in the description if it is still because there will probably be some seats. Mm-hmm. Um, otherwise, if it's if you're tuning into this episode afterwards, there will be no link. Good luck. <laughs> That's the honest truth. Um, but yeah, uh, thank you so much, Amber. Thank you so much for having me. It was good fun. It was good fun. Um, and yeah, you can go and check out more episodes of The Things We Do on Apple and Spotify. I'll be speaking with another guest next week and I'll speak to you all later. Goodbye. Goodbye.